welcome you to a crossover edition of Meet Me at Musial and Gateway to Baseball Heaven. You have me, Daniel Shoptoss, C70th Bat at C70 on Twitter. Alan Medlock from Red Dirt Redbird and A Medlock One on Twitter. And also Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, this is, you know, it's good. We have to let you know the Twitters because we're not going to actually be able to talk to anybody in person for a long time, it seems like. Um, the coronavirus has, has struck the whole country, it seems like, and baseball got the brunt of it today as well. Um, we'll say up front, we have no answers. We have a lot of questions. We have a lot of discussion to, to talk about, but don't look here for, for anything official or obviously, or anything, any kind of solutions. Um, but uh, Tara, let's to start with you. Um, came down, you know, today we're talking, the Cardinals are actually out there on the field playing while this discussion is going on. And we find out baseball shut down for, well, you know, at least two weeks into the, into the season. Um, how did you follow this and, um, what was your reaction? Boy, I mean, first of all, I don't quite know why any spring training games were being played at this point because after the news broke about the NBA with players testing positive, the drama with the uh, Big Ten tournament and all the things there, it just seemed very strange knowing that a decision was coming at some point that the teams would even begin to play games today, especially games that didn't matter, especially with the assumption that they were going to stop playing games very shortly. It was it was strange to me to, you know, bring fans into the stadium when massive crowds seem to be a big part of the the problem or at least what they're trying to uh eliminate to help stop the spread of this virus. All those things. Weird decision there, I think, to have those games begin anyway. But you know, at some point in the last, you know, 48 hours, which has felt like 48 days, um, it became very obvious that this was likely going to happen. And so I think maybe the shock value had worn off simply because we'd seen it with all these other leagues at this point. But I really do think that this was the best case scenario as far as what Major League Baseball could do. Kind of just press the pause button now while the games don't really matter. And maybe try to save as much of the regular season as you can with the obvious caveat that no one knows how this is going to go and no one knows how quickly there's going to be any sort of confidence that there's a handle on it. So I think this was the best case scenario, even though it's disappointing and it's frustrating. And look, I can speak to it on a very personal level. It's doing a lot of damage to a lot of people and their livelihoods. It's not just about the entertainment or, you know, whatever else it is that goes on at baseball games. So it's a very heavy decision across the board, all these decisions being made, but I do feel like this was the best way baseball could go about it. Alan, you and I talked a little bit about this possibility um, on the last mutual. Um, I don't think we, while we, we were afraid that it was coming, I think you know when we were talking, we, it was the empty stadium idea seemed to be the one that was most prevalent. It just kind of escalated very quickly this week. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts on it? 
No, I agree. It was. I agree with Tara on that. It. I'm glad she brought it up too because the last two days have seemed so long that I couldn't really remember the tipping point where I felt like okay, things are going to get a little bit. Uh, things are going to get a little bit crazy. And uh, I after the NBA situation last night where it sit, hit so close to home with the with the Rudy Gobert situation, and that's in Oklahoma City. I mean, that's in my backyard. It's. I felt like everybody was going to act pretty quickly on that one. I, I was kind of surprised that NHL and, and Major League Baseball didn't announce it last night. And like Tara, I was a little surprised that they let them go through the motions today. Um, I always feel like the public legal ramifications of what they're looking for in making that decision. Uh, and and maybe I may be completely wrong. It could have been a what kind of containment are we looking at in an outdoor? venue type of situation as well. I, I don't know and I don't pretend to know, but uh, I did, I, it was a little odd. It was, it was ominous to get started. And you saw Matt Carpenter made that comment today. He was like, I don't think any of us really, he was, that was the strangest game we've ever been involved in. He felt like, uh, you know, we were only half there type situation. And uh, it's just, a, it's a scary time. Um, you, yeah, I, I agree. We had talked about it last week and even talking about it last week, I, I'm the biggest skeptic when it comes to these things. I never really thought it would get to that, that point, but thought that would kind of be the worst of the worst of, uh, of, uh, uh, keeping people away from one another and, and avoiding the large crowds and, and, and all that. But, uh, but uh, yeah, they made the right call. I mean, you have to make that call, and there's bounding pressure. I I was surprised it took them as long as they did, but like I said, there was probably uh, elements we'll never be aware of why they ch- chose to wait as long as they did. But uh, but now it's interesting. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to uh, read the reports and and see what we can find out as far as a, a possible start time, and uh, hopefully we can rebound at some point. You know, baseball's not not known for quick reactions. Let's let's put it that way. Um, so it may not be too surprised that, that they felt like they were dragging their feet a little bit on this. But uh, yeah, I'm. You know, again, when you had a pretty good idea Thursday night with the after the NBA canceled, after the NBA did that, I don't think any major sports team, any sports league, could not do that. Um, I mean, you could make, there were some, some arguments about the nature of basketball and how that might in, um, be more likely to transmit, but you know, really when you get a whole bunch of people together, it's going to be a problem. And we're seeing that. So, um, I mean, I'm (laughs) selfishly, I'm glad that they played, um, today because, you know, got a chance to see the Cardinals one last time for a while. Um, they were actually on TV, so we got to see them uh, play against the Marlins and see Wainwright look good and all that. And it's going to have to tide us over um, for a, quite a while. Uh, you know, the the initial, uh, the rest of spring training is canceled, which is, you know, two weeks from today is supposed to be opening day. So you're wiping out two weeks of games there. Um, and then there's a two week, at least two week delay uh, to the season starting. So, you know, we're a month away from baseball at best. Um, Tara, do you think that best case scenario is the one that's likely to happen? You know, it's honestly so hard to even guess at this point, because I think the thing that's become very obvious in the last couple of days is that even the experts don't know what to expect as far as how quickly this can be managed. And I mean, the reality is it's it's not going to just go away. So all of these precautionary steps are taken to to try to, as people were saying on Twitter today, kind of flatten the curve and and make it not such an instant, overwhelming sort of situation and and 
maybe spread it out a little bit, which sounds like a, a, a strange positive to take from something like this, right? But because no one really knows, it's hard to even guess. But I would like to think that, you know, like the NBA and like the NHL, these leagues that are planning to sort of reevaluate in 30 days, that we'll have a little bit better of an idea of it at that point. And, you know, for better or worse, know if shutting things down and keeping large gatherings from happening is actually um, making headway in trying to take care of the people who are sick and keep people who are healthy from getting sick. And that's ultimately the focus with this, right? So whether that is a four-week process or a six-week process, like I think I was seeing it, it what has been in, in China before they really felt like they had a handle on it. I don't know. And I think that's what's so difficult about this is that there's this conversation about whether things should be canceled or just postponed or suspended. Uh, like I was telling you guys earlier, I was at um, the NAIA cheer and dance national championship that was supposed to be happening this weekend. I was there setting up for the TV broadcast and, and watched in real time as the host school found out that the event was canceled and it was devastating. But a lot of their immediate questions were, wait, is it canceled or is it just postponed? And the very real answer to that is no one knows because no one knows how long it's going to be before it's realistically safe to host these kinds of events and deal with the repercussions of someone who might be sick. So that's a very long winded way of saying, I don't know how to answer that question as far as whether it will in fact be four weeks or longer, because there's just so much about the entirety of the situation that even experts don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's very fair. Um, and it, it feels to me that even at the end of two, if, if, the, if they take a month off, it kind of feels like they need at least a week of spring training just to get everybody back in the you know right. swing of it. Yeah. I don't think I would just jump right into opening day, but, you know, and I think John Mozeliak said that today. They expect at least some sort of camp or or something that might get them going, but Alan, I mean, what's your thoughts? Uh, do you think it's, you know, a mid-April or are we looking, you know, end of April, beginning of May type of thing? I I think a lot will be, I think we'll probably find out and I think we're hopeful to find out. And that's when I say we, I mean, as as a country, this two-week window of how, how things are going to look. You know, if they can get a grasp on contagion, if they can get a grasp on mitigating and get a grasp on testing to be honest with you, about where where this is actually going to go. Um, I would say that that's about as optimistic of you as it can be, you know, the, the report that they put out. And, and it, it, it is funny to uh, to see the wording of the cancellations or, or postponement because you can probably throw anything out there right now because Tara's right. No one really knows anything. Um, you know, on the science part of it, I think that there's some hope that this runs the cycle of, of basically like the seasonal flu to where the, uh, the heat and warm temperatures are going to make a, uh, make a difference and that it may fade out on its own a little bit more. I, I knowing that we were going to do this show tonight, I was kind of reading up and researching and, and that you get mixed signals on that as well. Um, I felt pretty confident. I was like, well, I, I feel like the, the, uh, the warmer weathers will affect it and that, uh, that we may see a decline in, uh, um, that we may see a decline in infections and, and all that before then. But then, you know, you see, uh, you know, one of the talking head or the pundits on the news and say, well, that's all, that's the, uh, such a hopeful, you know, or 
overly optimistic viewpoint. And I'm like, well, man, that's so it, it, it's more of a gray area right now than anything. I would probably guess later April. And I do kind of feel like we haven't seen the last of Jupiter, even if it is for a seven to 10 day abbreviated, you know, situation where you bring down 30s, 30 plus guys as opposed to 70 and, and start figuring it out that way. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all, but that's some of the interesting parts of this to see how those things work out. It really reminds me of the early 80s strike at this point to, or even 94, to be honest with you, 94 going into 95 about how they abbreviated things. And, uh, you know, there's ways to get them done. And it'll really be interesting to see the, uh, the, the, the plans they come up to do so. Yeah, I was going to ask you about 94. I knew Tara wasn't going to be able to remember that because that's, she's not as old as we are. Um, but um, it does have that feel. I mean, that, I mean, and we all, of course, remember the week that we lost um, in, after 9 11 um, and, and how baseball kind of, you know, took that week and moved it to the end of the year. But, yeah, I think this feels more like the strike where they, you know, they started the season late and they just played a, one of the 150 games, 155, I think it was that year. Um, you know, if it's two weeks, they might try to squeeze in some here and there. But uh, I just, I mean, it really feels like anything longer than two weeks, it's going to be a shortened schedule. And I don't know. I mean, that's if nothing else, baseball's been talking about a shortened schedule for a little while. I guess they'll find out if they like it or not. Um Tara, I guess there's, let's, let's go ahead and talk about, you know, you've, I know how much it's affected you with your work. Um, and, and so you really understand what it's doing to the minor leaguers as well. I mean, minor leaguers don't get paid for spring training. They only get paid when the season starts and minor league baseball has already said they're pushing their start back, which they should have started on the eighth, which is basically that two weeks after a season starts. So they're pushing theirs back at least two weeks, I think too. Um, we don't know yet if that's going to affect people's, you know, if they're going to pay them at the regular times, but uh, that's got to be really, really concerning for a lot of those guys. Yeah. I mean, it's already difficult this time of year for those guys because the reality is they don't get paid for minor league playoffs either. So these guys haven't been paid since August, essentially, in some cases, and they're really counting on that first check in the the month of April. And, you know, some of them have part time jobs in the offseason. I would say I would venture to guess that a large majority of them do just to make ends meet. But at this point, they're working and not getting paid. And Yes, I'm very, very acutely aware of the challenge that that presents after today. And, you know, people like myself who work as freelancers in the sports industry essentially lost two months of work. And that's basically what these minor leaguers are facing is months and months of not getting paid. So mm -hmm. there's valid question about how Major League Baseball, how minor league baseball will handle that with whether it's, you know, individual teams making that choice and, and deciding to do something about it or if it's a major league mandate or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's it's not a, a small question at this point because if those guys are being asked to stay there, in many cases, the idea of what to do with players has not been determined. There's some idea that it might be safer for players where they are for a variety of reasons than to go back to various parts of the country. And that's all good and well, but you aren't necessarily paying those players to be there, particularly on the minor league level. So if you just kind of hold them 
almost hostage for the next month and then some and don't let them go home. Don't let them play. You're not assigning them to a roster, which is when they typically get paid. Yes, it makes what is already a bad situation that much worse for those guys. And we're seeing that all over Twitter today. Guys that, you know, a a volume of comments from minor league players that you don't often see, which I think is a part of the larger story about where minor league baseball is at right now with guys kind of finding their voice and feeling like they have a platform to say something. But they're, they're drawing attention to this very difficult reality for them right now and we've heard before that there have been players in every organization all throughout the years who essentially don't make enough money to keep playing baseball if this becomes an ongoing thing and major league baseball doesn't come up with a plan to support those players there might be guys that don't make it to the start of the season and have Mm -hmm. to go do something else that is a very real possibility yeah, you could easily see a lot of those guys, especially those fringe guys that are just, you know, they're going to they're going to take it away. And that's, you know, there's some idea that's that's happened before. And, and it'll, you know, it's just kind of weeded people out. And unfortunately, that kind of plays into Major League Baseball's hands right now. Um, it would be nice to say that that baseball will step up and take care of them. But obviously, that's not ever happened before. Um, it'd be really nice to think that maybe the the Major League players um because you know they may not be getting paid rise this moment either but they should have a little bit more stockpiled um to be able to help these guys out and, and hopefully i'm sure some will at least individually but it would be nice to see the you know the, the players union um come up with some sort of strike you know some sort of fund you know they have a strike fund when they have strikes but some sort of fund that some of these minor leaguers could could access and at least have some support because yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're talking about kid, people with families and young kids and, you know, knowing that you were going to get paid in a couple of weeks. And now all of a sudden that becomes a month and a half. Um, that's tough. Especially when you've planned for that, right? If you're smart right. about budgeting and you kind of know what your target date is for getting paid, assuming you're confident that you're going to make a roster somewhere, you can plan that out. You don't have two months of extra though that's where it gets really really difficult and some of these guys especially if they can't go home don't necessarily have a way to make that up yeah yeah i mean hopefully again there's a lot of things that aren't solved in fact alan um you know somebody mentioned to me it's 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 not nearly to the point of of the minor leaguers but just in general um you know somebody asked you know what about these people that bought you know ticket packs so they could have opening day. Well, opening day is going to be something different. I mean, what are we going to see in, in regards to the fans to some, I mean, again, it's, it's not the same It's a disposable income versus, you know, livelihood, but still that's a, it's a concern that people have. I mean, you know, I know you've got tickets for this year and, and now you have no idea when or, or when those games might actually be. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, that was one of the first things that I looked at as far as uh, starting dates go and such like that, because I was wondering, I was like, well, there's several ways they can do this, and, and I'm wondering if uh, when they do start and they do feel like it's safe to get back out there, are they going to start on that date, or are we going to see a completely renovated schedule, which that, you know, I wonder which is the, the, the lesser pain, you know, 
in, in whatever plan they come up with. So that uh, it was one of the things I looked at initially. I wouldn't want to be in anybody's situation that has to deal with the refunds or answer those phones tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. That would be, or maybe it was probably before they started today. I would, I would assume. <clears throat> And uh, that will be a tough spot. Um, you know, every, everything we're talking about, the, un, the you know, the unseen consequences of the uh, the minor leaguers without, you know, without pay like you, that, like we were just talking about in this situation of, of refunds. And it's, uh, you know, it's things that had to happen. But, man, it, it, it brings on a, a, a whole heap of work you know, for everyone involved to, uh, to rectify the situation. And, and I'm curious to see there's a, there's a, uh, there is a, uh, it's tough to say this is down in the dumps as I am right now, as far as basketball being canceled and, and the start of the season being delayed, but at least we know that's delayed and there's going to be baseball at some point, but uh, it is, it's tough to hear the stories of the, you know, the minor league guys that uh, make very little money anyway, at this point, not getting paid now. And, and uh, the uh, the the work crews in the stadiums that aren't going to get paid, and those those are the things that I think that people are doing a, a really good job of bringing that out to light. But I don't. I think it's easier just to say, "Hey, let's cancel it and be safe," than to think of the, to think of those crews. And uh, it's it's just it's a mess. And uh, you know you feel bad. And I uh, it's kind of tough talking about the tickets, but but it, it that was one of the very first things I looked at. I was like, well, I'm glad at this point I hadn't booked any hotels. You know, uh, you know, we, I know that I can get down there one way or the other, but I'm glad I didn't do anything like that. So, so that will be interesting to see how they, uh, how they, uh, fix those problems and how they set the, set the season going and what date, or if this schedule is going to look completely different anyway. So, so it's going to be, uh, interesting, um, it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, at least month to see how things go. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the quirks of the schedule as it is written is the Cardinals play the Dodgers all seven times in the first two weeks um, or first three weeks, I guess. Um, you know, if it starts later than that and they just try to pick up where they came off, you'd have a whole season where you didn't play the Dodgers. And granted, that's not a, a team that's in your division, but it'd be very strange not to play a team like that. In fact, the Cardinals might might not want to play the Dodgers <laughs> as good as a team that they are, but um, those are weird quirks that we're going to have to be with Tara. If you were to pick, and again, I know it depends on, on how long they're out, but I did hear a, an idea of, you know, like canceling the all-star game and, and you know, using that week to make up some games. Is that something that they should think about? Or is this, you know, or is it more important to have that break in the middle of even a shortened season? I would venture to say that that decision will be entirely based around what's going to make more money. <laughs> oh, yes. All-star week or teams having games that week. Um, quite frankly, that's going to be a very real conversation. And while most of the time I fault Major League Baseball for focusing perhaps too much on maximizing revenue as opposed to some things that are actually important about fixing in their game it's a it's a fair thing to be thinking about at this point I mean if you're talking about losing at least two weeks of the regular season if not more they're going to be some conversations about how to regain some of that revenue which they won't be able to to regain all of it but I would imagine that the conversation about all-star game versus regular season games is going to be far more financial than anything else at that point because look the all-star festivities 
are a spectacle. And we all know that. And we either love or hate it for that. But it is what it is. And it draws a crowd. And it has a, a completely different television viewing audience than perhaps regular season baseball, just from the standpoint of why people tune in to watch. And I don't know. I don't know what the, again, what the right answer is to that. But I would feel pretty confident in saying the the overriding theme of those conversations will be much more from a business strategy perspective than anything else. And part of that business strategy is the fact that there are TV rights involved in there um, for the all-star game, but also, you know, Fox sports Midwest has paid for 162 games and I don't know how those discussions go. Yeah, um, and that's why, I, just to be clear, when I'm talking about what's going to make them the most money, I don't just mean recouping ticket sales, right? right? Like We're talking about all of the many, many layers of how you make money off of baseball. And there's a lot of that that comes from the All-Star game. There's a lot of that that comes from those regular season games. I don't know what that formula looks like as far as determining where the the profit margins are there, but you're right. There are a lot of pieces of that from the media perspective, from contracts they have with vendors, from, you know, all these different things that are now completely in flux and a lot of that probably depends on how they come to some sort of resolution with each of those individual pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, given that this is stuff, I mean, they're just at the very beginning of this and I know they're going to be working through it, you know, even though we feel like maybe it's a little early to ask these questions because you don't even know how long baseball is going to be out. I guarantee that they're already starting to work on some ideas on trying to figure this out. And this is their plan for two weeks. This is their plan for three weeks. This is their plan for a month. Um, I imagine there are theme nights they're going to miss in the first two weeks, right? Yeah. So there's all sorts of like promotional items and things that are yep. sponsored. Like all of that comes into this conversation. How you go about making some sort of headway there. I don't know. Like Alan said, I don't envy those people at all. <laughs> yeah. But if they don't, you know, if they can't give away their mystery uh, opening day car bobbleheads, then, you know, I think we could take them off their hands for them. <laughs> we could find homes for them. Yeah. We could do something <laughs> with that. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different things, a lot of things in the, you know, the moving parts that, and there's stuff we don't, you know, we don't even think of. I mean, you know, with what appears to be the NCAA canceling the rest of their, you know, they've canceled the basketball, but also looks like they've canceled baseball in the World Series, uh, the College World Series, you know, how does that affect the draft? How are they going to do, you know, things there? There's just, again, so many different things. Because this is so unprecedented, there's nothing to back this up. I mean, yeah. Again, you know, the, the service last time, time is a thing mm-hmm. that keeps coming. Service time for these mm-hmm. players is a thing that keeps coming up. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter today, how does it affect service time? Because if you're not playing the entirety of a season, is it going to adjust? And if it doesn't adjust, how do you? It's just again, every every conversation brings up a different layer to this, which is why I think it's fair that it was such a difficult decision to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you don't just, you know, shut something down, especially this huge in any of these leagues without, you know, seriously thinking about it first. I mean, again, you know, 9-11, they were out for a week and that was, you know, tough enough to try to, you know, they were able to just kind of move that to the end of the season, but it still caused some issues. Um, and, and the strike at 94, I mean, they just wiped everything out there, but 
you know, this is, this is something, you know, you didn't really get to see coming until this last week, really. Um, so it's not like you have a contingency plan in place for, you know, everybody gets sick. Um, or everybody, you know, can't come to your ball games. Uh, it's, it's strange. Um, Alan, any, any thoughts on any last thoughts before, I mean, I feel like we've kind of scattershotted around a lot of things, but is there anything else that maybe we haven't mentioned yet? Uh, I was trying to think of some of the situations in the, uh, I don't remember the, I remember after the early 80s strike after the fact more than anything. And that's reading, reading on it and watching videos and stuff like that back in the VHS days about how they approach things too. It was a, uh, um, it was, it, it was, they split the, the season into two yeah. parts. It was kind of like a minor league season. And I remember when they broke the news that camp was opening in 95 and it really was interesting because it seemed like that was kind of a race to the finish all year because they had the abbreviated spring training. And I, I get a strong feeling that's going to, what it's going to be like, um, you know, those are all great points of things that I didn't even think about of, you know, television rights for all the games and major network rights for their games and, you know, the all-star game and, and the built-in breaks that everybody's, you know, the collective bargaining agreement had agreed upon. And it's going to be interesting because you, you, none of these groups, whether it's ownership, whether it's the networks or whether it's the players want to look like the bad guy in situations like this. And it's always interesting to see how they bend and come together on those in, in situations like this. And uh, there's an intriguing part just to break the monotony of seeing how they come together and what, uh, what they come up with schedule wise. I mean, I, it's, it's curious and we'll be talking about that probably for the next two to three weeks. And maybe we'll start getting some, uh, maybe we'll start getting some leaks about things they're looking at. I've, Bet that that's probably they're not going to trump that at least for about fourteen days because they don't want to maybe overshadow the news to see where uh, where this is going until uh, we can we can uh, get a grip on the severity of how things are going to be and and uh, let this run its course a little bit or if they can cut it off um, that they probably won't make any statements on that. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, there's, it, it, I don't know where it's going to go, but it feels like whenever it does get going, it's going to happen in, in a flash and, uh, they'll pick up and, and hit the ground running on that one. It, it may, I don't know if it does, but it may raise an interesting question. I mean, again, these guys have had a month of, of games, but they're going to have a month off. We've seen what happens to people like Greg Holland or... Craig Kimbrell or others that didn't have a spring training in general. Terry, do you think this, the scattershot bit of this, to, to have a, a month on and then a month off and then you know, maybe a couple of days a week, is that going to affect them very much as the season gets going? My immediate reaction is how many more pitchers are going to get hurt. <laughs> mm. yeah. right? Because yeah. you, the plans in spring are very, very strategically designed to ramp up from just sort of light off season throwing to where you can throw five innings plus as a starter, or you can throw every other day as a bullpen arm or whatever it is. Those plans are incredibly structured. And again, there's no precedent for this, right? So what do they do when all of a sudden you have a month off in between all of that? I think in theory, that's why there's some idea that, 
it's probably better if guys stay around instead of going home just because you can maybe manage that a little bit better if there's some sort of structure even if it's not spring training games, I don't know though. It's you, uh, now the good thing is they have people to design those programs. <laughs> so in theory, you design a program that allows them to come down off of that sort of incline a bit and then build back up. But that's so unusual. You don't know how guys are going to react to that. And maybe, you know, there's a bit of a rush when, the all clear is given and they have 10 days to get ready or whatever it is. And so they're trying to get ready too fast. It's like a bullpen arm who tries to get ready too fast and then has no control or then gets hurt. I, I my immediate reaction is that's a very likely scenario. Um, so y- you'll probably end up having to see it's funny to some degree, I guess if you can inject a little bit of humor in this, Alex and I were talking on the Chirps podcast this week. What happens if we get into the first couple of weeks of the regular season and Mike Schilt is making terrible managerial decisions about pitchers? And now that he's married, is it going to be a Yoko Ono thing? Anyway, <laughs> it's funny that we were talking about Mike Schilt and his bullpen choices in just sort of a comical context because a lot of his decisions, the strategy of what you do with guys in that situation may have to be very different, right? Jack Flaherty hasn't pitched six innings this spring, I don't think. I'm, I haven't watched many games, but no. I don't think he has. <laughs> and, you know, neither has anyone else, really. So do you put a starter in? Do you kind of piggyback guys? And if you do, does that change the way you make up your roster? Because you're having to completely alter your strategy because you don't have the spring to allow guys to throw at maximum velocity without getting hurt. I mean, those are all the questions that I would be asking at this point if I was in that mix of making those decisions, because what happens with a a big month plus pause in the middle of spring training? We have no idea. We have no precedent for that. But the thing that we do know is that pitchers trying to get ready too fast tends to result in injury. And that would be my primary concern as far as how do we limit the fallout of this as much as possible. Alan, I, I have this memory, and maybe I may be wrong. I didn't look it up before we came into the show, but I have this idea that at 95, when the, you know, the of course we had the replacement players that took up some of the spring training and then the the decision comes down and the real players return, but it was a shortened spring training. It felt like I think maybe for the first two weeks, the rosters were expanded to 26, 27 men or something like that back then. Um, you think that's possible? You know, they'll run like 30 men instead of 26 for the first couple of weeks so that you can take a couple extra arms and not have to worry about throwing them six or seven innings. Yeah, I could completely see something like that. I don't, uh, it, I don't remember the specifics on how everything started with, um, they're in 95, uh, but you're right. There was there were there were, there were amendments to aid the schedule and to the rosters. And, uh, they, and oh, gosh, I can't remember. Yeah, I probably should have looked that up, especially as much as this. As much as I was thinking this reminds me of that situation, I know that uh, when they come back, it'll really remind me of that. And and that would, that makes a ton of sense to me about how they can do an expanded rosters early type deal and, and bring extra arms. They uh, Now, the Cardinals are, in, are stayed in Jupiter tonight, and they have a team meeting tomorrow. So I'm assuming that we will probably hear – a lot of those plans or some of the options, you know, they, the Cardinals never speak in, a, in absolutes, so we're not going to hear anything, you know, what they're thinking. But they will probably throw enough ideas out there to where you can probably get an idea about where uh, where 
baseball in general is kind of leaning. So that makes that makes the most sense to uh, to be able to bring more players. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, for these guys that are just now ramping up, and in these last two weeks, we were going to start seeing guys go go multiple innings. You know, Wayno went a pretty easy five today. But that uh, other than Ponce de Leon, I can't really think of another guy that went as smooth in five as Wainwright did today. And uh, you know, that's one of those guys are still getting their innings on backfields and. After starts, they run into trouble. You know, they're throwing in the bullpen and whatnot. But you know, that's that's not game competition, and that's going to be a uh, um, that's it. it uh, man, it's just such a mystery on how things will go. And there's a curiosity to me to see it, but then there's a frustration and how things were, uh, you know, will will play out. And it, and I'm curious just to hear some some more definitive words, a on the health side of it, and b on the baseball side of it. Yeah. Tara, anything else that that you want to mention about this that we haven't talked about? Oh boy, I mean, there are so many layers, and we sort of touched on it briefly, but you know, just <laughs> the, it it affects so many people: the mm-hmm. stadium workers, the game day crew, the media, the <laughs> people like myself who are essentially it's it's like a giant layoff, you know. Yeah. And you see those at large corporations, and everyone understands the devastation of that. That's what's happened here. And it seems maybe like it, it it's strange to make those comparisons because it's sports and we feel like this is an entertainment thing that doesn't necessarily equate to uh, some sort of necess- necessity in our daily lives. But for a lot of us, it is our daily lives. And, you know, it's how we buy groceries and it's how we put gas in our cars. And so I think that just sort of highlights the size and the scope of all of this, that it's to that point where the best case scenario, the best solution is also still pretty traumatic to a lot of people. So look, I don't say that to like point fingers at myself, but simply to say there are a lot of people affected by this and, you know, just be careful in the way that you talk to people. And and I think if anything, let it emphasize some empathy because a lot of people, whether it's minor leaguers who don't know if they're going to get paid or major leaguers who don't know if they're going to go home and see their families or, you know, collegiate athletes who aren't going to get to play their senior tournaments or high school kids who thought they were going to get to play for a state title. I mean, all of Mm -hmm. this, there's no one at this point who is entirely unaffected by it. And I think that just like I said, underscores the scope of it. And um, hopefully we'll, on the the glass half full side of things, encourage people to just be kind and patient with each other as we all try to figure it out and yeah. wait for baseball to come back. Yes. And hopefully, hopefully that won't be a long wait. You know, we used up all our off-season material already, so we can't really... I know. How are we going to do podcasts now? Uh, I mean... <laughs> It's never stopped us before. <laughs> true, true. Ramble on about something for a while. And we probably will. Uh, I expect that uh, both Gateway and Mutual will, will still have some some episodes during this downtime. We can talk about what camp looked like and, and what the rosters were looking like and what things might look like when things return. But until then, we'll just count this as, as our show for a while, and, and we'll get back to you hopefully with a little bit more information uh and they'll give us some more things to talk about but until we meet again that's alan and that's tara i'm daniel good night good night 
Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.